Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers postgame show. I am Johnny Nani. Ron Luce is joining me tonight, and we're breaking down a Blackhawks 2-1 shootout loss at the hands of the Nashville Predators. So, Ron, uh, this one, I think a little bit overall better effort, but still stings. That's what I told you when we jumped on, and I think you'll reciprocate those thoughts. I will, I will. Yeah, definitely stings because, like you said, even though it really felt like a better effort, the Hawks were still outplayed at the end of the day, and they were still there in the end, which uh, is a testament to a lot of the guys that were on the ice tonight. Um, I'm trying literally my hardest to not give away any names or anything because, like you said, we're going to dive into it all of it right now uh, on this postgame show. But, yep, it's a heartbreaker tonight, but uh, nonetheless, a solid effort in uh, in a back-to-back from the Blackhawks this evening. Uh, definitely a little better jump from the get-go, but uh, we'll get into that uh, with our period-by-period breakdown uh, and all of our uh, additional thoughts, observations, uh, rants, ramblings, all of that good stuff. Before we do, make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fourfeatherspod and at ontapsportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, please go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. All right, Ron, like I mentioned, this was a 2-1 to one shootout loss to the Nashville Predators here. So coming out, um, a little bit of a different look. Lineup-wise, 11 forwards, 7 defensemen tonight. Nikola Bodine makes his season debut here. I call him Slick Nick on the pod. I like him. You know, you didn't get all that much time tonight, but uh, I feel like he has the ability to uh, be a little bit slick on the ice. So, yeah, uh, Nick Bodine in. Uh, Highmore was the one out, so they rolled with 7-D, like I mentioned. Uh, Lucas Carlson stays in the line up and uh on the nashville side of things uh looked fairly similar except for uc soros in net instead of pekka rene so that was set up for this one uh but overall my initial thoughts here um i'll start off and uh much better compete level in the first so it was really nice to see that um and they weren't just flat uh coming out of the locker room uh from the get-go here so i enjoyed that and uh you know tailed off a little bit in the second period we'll get to that though uh fourth line finally gets rewarded tonight uh my boy ryan carpenter i gotta love that uh Unfortunately, the power play goal streak ends uh, at seven games, but that was a nice run. Uh, best since, what, 90-91? So that was good. And uh, Lankanen played outstanding again. So hit me with your initial thoughts, Ron. Yeah, echo everything you said. I think just to add on to that, um, I think even to more, more so hammer home uh, how good the fourth line was tonight. They got rewarded with a lot of ice time, 15 minutes. Um, for comparison, for those that aren't keeping track at home, That is more minutes than Kurashev and just about equivalent to minutes of guys like Dylan Stroman and Andrew Shaw. So, um, you know, Colleton really leaning on that fourth line. They've arguably been the best line consistently all season long. Um, And Patrick Kane's just an Ironman, ladies and gentlemen, because he played 27 minutes, which is the most of any player on the roster tonight besides Kevin Lankinen, because obviously he was in net. But also um, echoing what you said about uh, Kevin Lankinen, absolutely outstanding again tonight. Um, really cementing himself as the number one goaltender right now on this team. I would agree 100%. We like to call him calm, cool, collected Kevin. That's a uh, moniker that we have bestowed upon Kevin Lankinen here at Four Feathers, and it was in full effect tonight. Uh, the kid made 41 saves on 42 shots against, good for a 976 save percentage. He was 8 of 8 on power play chances, and I believe three of those came uh, all within like one uh, breath. 
So that uh, was very impressive performance from Kevin Lykin. And, and another note that I have here, the Blackhawks now have picked up at least one point in each of Kevin Lykin starts. Book ended with uh, either overtime or shootout losses uh, with tonight's game and last Wednesday at Florida. And the middle two, obviously, being the uh, two wins at home over the weekend against the Detroit Red Wings. So uh, Lykin, I mean, he looks like the guy. I feel like he's the guy. I feel like everyone on Hawks Twitter is clamoring for him to be the guy ron state your case he's the guy uh, he is the guy and you like you said the calm cool collected kevin i mean that is just what he is in net and that's what this hawks team needs when you got a lot of young guys that are going to go through a lot of growing pains uh guys we saw it with tonight you know pia Suter. um you know just in general i'm just naming young guys at this point pia Suter, you know hagel um you know kurashev and then obviously on the back end you got guys like carlson mitchell bodan you could argue Zadarov. I feel like he's still kind of finding his way with this team. Only played 14 minutes tonight. Yes, they played with 7D, but Duncan Keith, Connor Murphy, and Calvin DeHaan all played well over 22 minutes tonight. So they're still leaning very heavily on those top three um, that we noted in last night's episode, Johnny. But, you know, when you got those young guys and a lot of unproven guys on this roster, guys trying to kind of make their case to be a part of the future with this team, um, you know, you need a Kevin Lankinen back there right now. He looks like an NHL goaltender. It, it really makes me feel like that, that tournament, that World Juniors tournament, or excuse me, World Championship tournament, um, when, you know, he helped guide Finland uh, to the gold medal game against Russia, and I believe ultimately won it. He had like a 194 goals against in that tournament, like a 970-something save percentage. It's really starting to not feel like a fluke because, I mean, look what he did tonight. Hawks clearly outplayed by Nashville. 42 shots against um, but he stops 41 of them. He takes them all the way to a shootout, and you can only do so much. I mean, if your guys aren't going to score in the shootout, it really doesn't matter. He stops two of three, but it's unfortunately not good enough because the the, you know, the Hawks shooters come up uh, over against UC Saros there in that shootout. So um, Kevin Lankin is the number one guy. That's just – it's plain and simple to me. He needs to be in the net every opportunity as the starter this season. To me, the Hawks as a front office, as an organization in general, need to view this guy as their number one until he proves them otherwise and ride it and play him as such and let Subban and Delia fight it out for that second spot. I like the confidence that he has. Obviously you see it on the ice in the net. Um, but beyond that in his interviews, like I had mentioned on previous episodes here, he wants to be the number one guy. Uh, he's made that very clear. Uh, whenever he you know meets with media or social media posts, whatever it is, he wants to be the guy here in Chicago. So I like seeing him uh, both take ownership of that in his words and in his actions. So, Ron, let's get a little bit into the action here. Obviously, only two regulation goals that did not come until the third period. But as I'm just kind of running down notes from here, uh, Blackhawks had a power play opportunity early. I uh, feel like this could have um, helped propel them and get out in front, but uh, nothing was doing on that early power play. Uh, Kubelik let one rip, but that, that was about it. That was about all she wrote on that one. Um, kind of dull uh, midway through. There's low shot totals. Uh, Yanmark takes a hooking penalty at the 14-47 mark. Solid kill for the Blackhawks, so I guess that's a positive there early. And then um, Yanmark takes a drive in uh, fresh out the box. So uh, that was a good chance, but once again, a stop by Saros. And uh, Lankinen uh, making some stops through screens early on there. Uh, they you know had some better shifts towards the end of the period. Um, fairly, fairly even here um, when you're looking at uh, possession numbers and whatnot. Um, it, it was actually in favor of the Blackhawks, uh, but it had gone up a little bit in the middle towards the Preds uh, back 
back down to the Hawks. But then, Ron, uh, it kind of grinds my gears here to steal a Peter Griffin uh, second period. After you have that solid effort and kind of erasing some of the horse shit from uh, Tuesday night, you come out and you're like asleep uh, to start the second period. So uh, thoughts on the lackadaisical play in the beginning of period number two? Yeah, it was honestly very disappointing. And I think the reason, mostly at least for me, and, and maybe this is me being naive, call me whatever you want to call me. You can tweet me at Loose on Tap. You know, this was a team last year that was really, really good in back to back games, especially in that second game. So I was a little upset, honestly, because a lot of these guys that were there last season when they were so good at it are still there. It's a lot of the same core, it's a lot of the same group. And, you know, to come out and kind of give a you know, half-assed effort, if we're being entirely honest, was kind of upsetting. It just it felt like this team was so good at getting up for that second game, even when they were struggling, even when they weren't playing well. You know, they found a way to get up for that second game to really make things happen. And, you know, unfortunately, like you said, a little quiet there in that second period. And it, it was a bummer, uh, really, just because I feel like momentum kind of started to shift back in favor of Nashville. And, and you know, natural stat tricks, Corsi numbers certainly support that. Um you know, and then ultimately it kind of leads to them giving up the, the lead in this game. I mean, obviously no goals were scored till the third, but, you know, Nashville really started to build that momentum then uh, throughout the second frame. And then obviously going into that, that third frame then uh, when, you know, majority of the scoring of, of this evening's game actually happened. Yeah, just a couple points from that second period. There was a good stop before um, this power play that I'm about to refer to, but Lankanen made a nice stop. It was through traffic, probably nothing that comes off on the highlight reel, but the rebound control is what I was impressed with there. feel like you're getting a little bit uh, unsure hands with a Dahlia or Subban, no matter who's in there. Um, but like I said, cool, calm, collected Kevin. That's what he does, so that was good to see, some rebound control Absolutely. after that. The Soderberg slashing penalty uh, at 2.52 mark. Uh, three just huge stops by Lank, and I talk about all those, you know, kind of clustered uh, part of the 8 of 8 on the power play attempts. Um, just uh, all, all within one breath there. They were all right on the doorstep in Nashville just trying to bang home a greasy goal. Uh, Lankanen said no uh, multiple times, three times to be exact. So that was really impressive, very poised from Mr. Lankanen. Um, other than that, Blackhawks, um, you know, they go on the kill again with a Keith tripping penalty, but luckily Nick Cousins bails him out. Um, other than that, there was one little instance within the middle of this frame run. Uh, Lucas Carlson had a nice one-on-one play uh, break up in the zone and then he also deflected a pass away. That was a little bit around um, the 11-minute mark uh, of the period. So, uh, you know, small things here, especially with these guys like Lucas Carlson, only got 11.50 uh, time on ice tonight. But that was one little thing I noticed. So um, I guess not, not the worst thing in the world that he didn't come out of the lineup because I expected that to be the case when they announced Bodine was coming in. Did not expect mm-hmm. them to go 7-D. But they did. And uh, I was at least impressed uh, with Carlson after kind of him kind of being a non-factor on Tuesday night. So other than that, my only other real point from here is uh, Brandon Hagel is an animal. Ron, you want to elaborate on him at all? I do. And just quickly before I get into Hagel, I agree with you on the Carlson point. He looked really good tonight, obviously very limited ice time. But when he was out there, he was noticeable in a very good way, which, you know, we joke about it all the time here on, on Four Feathers that, you know, defensemen can be noticeable for two reasons. Either they're really, really good and making good plays or they really, really suck and making bad plays. And, um, you know, Carlson looked good tonight, you know, and, and another guy, um, you know, Calvin DeHaan, uh, despite really two plays that I can think of the whole game looked really good. 
uh, love him getting some power play time too. I think that's good. And Ian Mitchell getting power play time too. So, um, you know, but bringing it back to your point, Brandon Hagel, man, I love this guy. I, I was really intrigued by him when he signed initially with the Blackhawks. He was a hundred point player in the WHL, obviously as an overager. Um, he was playing out as a fourth round pick by the Buffalo Sabres, uh, you know, some years back. Hawks hit him, you know, as a free agent. Uh, he leads the Ice Hogs in scoring last year, and you know I believe he had 21 goals going into the the, the COVID shutdown. Really solid season, and he just he is again he is just that balls to the walls player, and I love guys like that. I think of guys like John Madden. I think of guys like uh, naturally my favorite, like a Brandon Sod, and when Andrew Shaw was young and he was kind of like that. Ben Smith kind of had some of that to him. Those guys, just especially in Chicago, just seem to become fan favorites very, very quickly. And I love Brandon Hagel. And and uh, you know, he just he continues to show that he needs more opportunity for minutes. And I love the fact he played almost 16 minutes tonight because he earned it. You know, he looked good out there. He got an assist, first career point in the NHL for him. So huge good for him on your boys' goal, uh, Ryan Carpenter's goal. Um, you know, he's just he's playing like a man possessed. He has one drive when he's on the ice, and it's go go go. Like, there are times where he's, like, literally, like, bent over, probably exhausted, but he's still, like, just trying to reach at that last second before he goes to a change to get a stick check or try to just break up a pass or just, you know, screw the the, the other team over in some facet before he gets off the ice so the team has the time to change, breathe for a second, and then recollect themselves and keep going. So I really love Brandon Hagel. The more and more opportunity he gets with this team, the happier I'm going to be because right now he's proving to me that he should be on this roster, not only for now in the youth time, rebuild some of this organization but going forward as well i like those points ron and brandon hagel reminds me i had a friend in college and he had a tattoo across his back and it said one speed full speed and now that might be a dumb tattoo to get but i think of it every time because you know we just like joke about that then but that's how brandon hagel plays so that's what it makes me think of so gives me a good chuckle uh whenever i see that in action here um my last thought uh from the second period here um was the kublik strom kershev line um you know they've had some issues in the past and there won't be the end of them here um but on the defensive side they made a really nice play and it was actually Dominic Kubalik a guy that I'm usually not too fond of in his own end but he he made a really nice uh, tap pass uh, out to uh Dylan Strom I believe and uh he and Kirsch have worked a, a little bit of uh you know a, a break in on Saros the stop was made but it, it was a nice breakout play and it was something that you didn't see that cleanly that often from them before. So that, that was my final takeaway from there. Other than that, I guess the Hawks only won 27% of draws through 40 minutes. Got to clean that shit up. Um, don't know what else to tell you except practice that more and uh, practice and, uh, you know, uh, get your mentality right to that. Uh, I'm going to, you know, motherfuck this guy and win the face off and you're not getting the puck. So that's about all the adjustment I have there. Let's get to the third period where the action actually happened here. So um, I didn't like the start to the third period, but um, it, it just kind of like irked me. It's like, oh, they had some really nice pressure at the end of the second. I know it was kind of last minute stuff, but you want to carry that kind of momentum. And I know both teams are fresh coming out of the locker room. Then it's not exactly like it was just a TV timeout or something like that. Um, but I was kind of disappointed because I feel like they could have set the tone early. Um, they kind of let the Preds do that a little bit more. But I, either way, uh, this thing went back and forth. Uh, unfortunately, my guy, my stick to click tonight, Philip Kershev, uh, loses 
control of a pass coming in along the half wall. Um, it gets sent back out to the neutral zone. Just a terrible bounce on Kelvin DeHaan because um, he had made a couple of good plays before that. But man, the yeah. bounce eludes him at the red line. Uh, Nick Cousins is coming, you know, full speed at him. And Kelvin Hans flat footed as to turn around. Uh, Cousins walks in and buries it five hole on Lankinen. Um, e- even that on Lankinen. I mean, that's just a good shot. And the guy's in one on one with you. So I uh, I can't really fault Lankinen too much there. Uh, kind of a little bit of bad puck luck there for the Hawks. And then you can trace it back to um, Phil Kershev. One of his kind of, uh, it's weird to say this of a young player, but one of his few slip ups early on in this young campaign, Ron. Yeah, Kershev, a guy that I've been very impressed with just overall, um, really knows how to play a two-way game, really cementing himself to me as a future part of this team, probably in a bottom six role on a competitive roster. Um, but at you know a point where this team is clearly rebuilding and in a youth movement, he can play up on that second line, and I think he does well for himself. Obviously tonight, I think that slip-up, as you mentioned, kind of limited his minutes. He only played just short of 14 minutes tonight um, with almost three of that coming on the power play. Um, him getting a kind of a unique power play opportunity in this one. But um, yeah, overall, I think, you know, he's been very, very good overall. I've been pretty impressed with him, but yeah, just like you said, crazy balance on Calvin DeHaan there. Just really unfortunate. Cousins had a couple chances actually before this goal too, um, where he could have either potted it or he was the primary passer on a really good uh, scoring chance for Nashville. So you know, I mean, you know, it's just a really good hustle play by a guy like Cousins, really good energy, you know, bottom six type guy who can give you some type of offense. And, uh, you know, he's able to bury it and unfortunately gives the, you know, the, the late lead um, to the the Trashville Mustard Cats, uh, which was very unfortunate at that point. The Heinz mustard bottles were out in front at this point. So after that, Pia Suter comes in, has a nice doorstep chance. So good to see him generating offense after his uh, hat trick day on Sunday against the Red Wings. But that was stopped by Soros. So you got to give credit to Soros, too, in this one because it's easy. You know, we're going to talk about Lankin in a lot. But hey, uh, UC Soros is the better goaltender in Nashville, and he showed why he is tonight. So um, Pecorine, sorry, you know, you had your run. It's a little bit washed there. But either way, uh, what I'm getting at there is Suter had a nice chance so it was good to see that from him but Saros denied but after that my guy Ryan Carpenter runs can be the happiest moment of the episode uh the greasiest <laughs> goal exactly what I would expect from Ryan Carpenter out front and I'd be remiss if I didn't revisit Brandon Hagel here because as the puck comes in along the right half wall this guy's ice vision to see that you know, the, the slot is there for Carpenter to come across the front of the net. And, uh, you know, it took, it took a little hacking and whacking away at the front uh, by Carpenter, but he is able to, you know, bank it in off of uh, Saros and into the back of the net to tie this thing up at one. And that was huge at the time. Yeah, it absolutely was huge. It was a real kind of a momentum shift because the Hawks were actually able to be, to me, a better team than that third period. And ultimately force overtime, as you mentioned at the very top of the show. Better effort tonight. I, I think a lot of that showed in that third period. They didn't just kind of cower over and die like they did last night. Uh, they really fought back, got to a tie, and obviously sent this thing uh, into extra time. So, And kudos to the fourth line. I mean, just that line has been arguably the best, most consistent line all season. Constantly getting offensive pressure, especially since the Hagel promotion to that spot instead of Highmore. Um, you know, even with guys like Camp. I know the joke going in on our Four Feathers uh, Twitter account tonight was Carpenter might have eight goals if he was actually able to bury some of the chances he's had this year. 
Um, but good for him getting his first, good for that line getting their first points of the season as well. Um, again, I think they just been the best line and they, they deserve to be kind of rewarded, you know, in, in terms of the hockey gods um, for their hard work. And yeah, Brandon Hagel, again, a guy that the more and more I see this guy play, the, the more and more I want to give him a chance because he really does feel like he might be a bit of a diamond in the rough. I'm not saying he's going to be that top six star that comes out of absolutely nowhere, but I think he's definitely that kind of, you know, I'm trying to think over the last handful of years, a guy, maybe that Tomas Kopetsky, just in the sense of he thrives in a bottom six role, but he can play up in your lineup if you need him to because he got, oh. has that little bit of offensive prowess. Like, I think how's, he could be really, really good. How's Ryan Hartman for that, like, two-month stretch in 2017? Yes. Does that sound right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Hartman could have kept that going for an entire career. Like, I think that's what Brandon Hagel's turning into. Like, he he is the new-age version of a Tomas Kopetsky where you can play him in those top three lines. He can drop to a fourth line. God forbid you need him to and thrive, as we've seen. But, you know, knowing that he can ultimately probably get it done because he has enough scoring touch. Again, 100-point guy in the WHL. you got to be at least semi-talented to do that, even at the amateur level. So, um, great play by them. I'm so happy. I know this was a rant. I hope you keep all of it in the episode, Johnny. But just, yes. That was exactly what the Hawks needed. That's exactly what the doctor ordered at that moment in this game. For the fans listening at home, Ron can see me right now. We're on a video call. This will be an audio form in the podcast. But, yes, I am wearing the Ryan Carpenter jersey. Um, he can confirm that. But to be fair, to be fair, I wear it for about 75% of games. So <laughs> let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Strom took a hooking call at 11.02 uh, of this. It was another solid kill. So, hey, uh, props to the uh, Blackhawks penalty kill. I know the power play didn't score tonight, uh, but they killed four penalties. And they looked pretty damn good. Uh, Carpia did some nice work. feel like he was a little juiced after scoring that goal. Um, so uh, just good, good work in crunch time because, you know, uh, I know they did kill it on Tuesday night as well. Um, but I think it had a little bit of a different feeling. You had a little more jump in your step there, uh, being at the one, one, uh, mark here with the chance to legitimately, um, you know, get yourself uh, a win in this one, because when you look at where the, uh, trends were going, sure. It was up in Nashville's favor in terms of shot attempts, uh, and possession time, but it was driving back down, uh, towards the Hawks, um, with the, uh, Ryan Carpenter goal that ultimately culminated in, and then obviously the, uh, PK. Uh, was big at keeping that at bay um, for Nashville not to surge out ahead again. So um, either way, uh, Blackhawks fend off uh, the Preds for the final stretch. Uh, a couple, you know, uh, looks in their own zone as well, but uh, nothing going either way. Uh, both goalies standing strong. A little scrum with two seconds left. Um, you know, Murphy gets tangled up with the guy, uh, stick between the legs uh, as they're coming, crashing towards the net. Um you know, uh, that's going to happen. It's a, it's a hockey play. So, you know, I know Nashville they'll have the right to be pissed because the guy uh, gets, you know, thrown into the end boards and the net, uh, the goalpost, all of that all at once. But, hey, um, that's two grown-ass men uh, tied up and uh, coming in pretty hot. So uh, that was just my thought on the little scrub. So uh, we go to overtime. Hawks controlled play early in overtime. Uh, that was a nice sight to see after uh, that not being the case uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, but then after that, when Nashville gets a little bit of control, um, dude, 
Dylan Strom's got to be off the ice in overtime. Uh, you just can't have it. This is two nights in a row where communication uh, it did cost them, and it cost, it cost them the game in you know a point, obviously, on Tuesday night, uh, but very well could have again tonight. But luckily, Lankanen came up big. So just thoughts on Strom. Um, the, the, you got to have better options out there uh, for the three-on-three. Yeah, it makes me sad because he was my uh, stick to click to, and I felt like a bit of an ass for that. And although they had a couple opportunities late in that third where I thought he was gonna maybe going to bury it and end it, um, which made me a little happy. But I agree. You know, sometimes guys just aren't made for that much open ice, you know, especially a guy like Dylan Strom. He's not as quick as some of the guys, um, even just on the Hawks, let alone in the NHL. You know, maybe he is just better suited for that five-on-five and five power play type time. And if that's the type of player he can be and you know, he doesn't outplay uh, too much of the contract that he's currently on, I think he's a guy that's absolutely a valuable asset to any team in the NHL, especially a young Hawks team where he's still young and has time to grow. But uh, I agree. You know, I, I really liked, um, you know, in that extra frame. I know P.S. Suter got a little bit of time. I, I don't mind him in space. I think he's really starting to – he again, he's giving me not in terms of the same player because Kubalik and him to me are slightly different in their play style, but he's giving me that almost nostalgia of last year when like Kubalik was still kind of figuring it out on the North American ice, but you could see the potential. That's how I feel with Pia Suter, and I feel like he might have tapped into it a little sooner. Obviously, getting that hat trick is kind of his big highlight so far of the young season. Um, but like him and Space look good. I think Kurashev is responsible enough to play in that situation. Jan Mark looked very good in the overtime period. You mentioned last night we were talking about him wanting to come back to Chicago to, you know, find that offensive prowess again in his game. He looked offensive tonight. Like, he looked really solid. Um, but again, Patrick Kane especially is just an Iron Man dude. 27 minutes, playing a ton of OT time, and still getting legit chances. Um, and, you know, assist opportunities is just vintage number 88. And I mean, it was, um, it was special, but I agree, you know, bringing it all back in, all the guys I just named are better options probably to be out there than the number 17 OT. Honestly, give it to the fourth line, guys. Camp looked good in OT. Why not let guys like Brandon Hagel and, and Ryan Carpenter, you know, more so maybe Hagel and, and Camp, they're a little faster. But, you know, why not give some of those guys some chance in OT? Because they generate offense at five on five. Who's to say they can't do something with more space? Yeah, and three-on-three three is a different beast, so it's nothing against Strom. I don't know if you were last year, though. Uh, I, believe, I don't know if it was you and me on a post-game show, but um, I was calling for no Connor Murphy um, in three-on-three three overtime just because uh, it was very blatant um, how he was getting beat uh, with the speed there. So uh, just a different beast, but I wanted to point that out because it looked like, uh, I think someone on Twitter said, looked like he was playing traffic cop um, instead of you know playing hockey, uh, so that gave me a good chuckle. But that uh, was just my, my thoughts on there, and Jan Mark obviously had the post. Um, it kind of rang off of Ellis or Ekholm, whoever it was out in front. Um, he was sending it to center it, and it uh, you know hit, hit off the defender, hit off the post, and then came back towards him. Um, kind of a weird angle, trying to send it back in. Would have been nice to bury one of those, uh, not even go to the shootout, but yet here we are. Okay, so Lycan had a big glove save at the end of overtime to get us here to the shootout. Uh, Forsberg, no. Kubalik, no. Duchesne, only goal of this thing. Yes, backhand, top shelf, dirty move. Um, you know, like you'd said, like, and then you stop two of three, but it still don't matter if you guys aren't going to score. So as you run through the rest, Kane, no, uh, try to get a little too cute for my liking, but I could see the thought process. Um, Ellis, no, uh, last one's a big question mark, and I'll hand it over to you because I agree that um, should have been someone else besides Jan Mark here, uh, but obviously he gets denied. That's the ball game, uh, two to one. Blackhawks lose, shootout. At least they still get a point, but th- that concluded this. 
hit me with who you would have went with instead of Janmark for the last shot in the shootout. Yeah, I just before I, I, I answer that, like you said, I, I literally the first thing I put in our, our four feathers group chat after this, ladies and gentlemen, was why the hell is Jan Mark the last shooter? Johnny, let me grab some water and, and do what I got to do before we jump on the spot. Like that was literally what I said. Um, you know, I think in that situation, don't get me wrong, I think Jan Mark was really great in the LT period, and I think that's why he was ultimately the third shooter. If I had to guess JC's kind of thought process in that situation. But honestly, He's, based on yeah, just really quick before you start that, yeah. Yanmark is now in the JC trust circle. It took like three, four games, but he's yes, there yes. and he's solidified yep. until he really yes. fucks up. That's about the only way you yep. can get out. <laughs> Which JC is going to be really pissed off because at all out of all the guys on one year contracts that were like the rentals we've talked about, to me, Yanmark's the one that's playing the best of the three that's probably going to be moved at the deadline now. Um, yeah. The, so, so the JC JC trust circle that that's that's yeah. a, that's a new four feathers meme. Can't wait. <laughs> meme and hopefully t-shirt someday. The JC trust circle would be absolutely hilarious. But yeah, I mean, so I get why the thought process was to send them out there. But you know, I, again, I look up and down this roster, and two guys that stand out to me right now, I would have given a chance to tonight are PS Suter and Brandon Hagel. Like again, if you're in a what do you got to lose situation, just this entire freaking season. Yeah. You said fuck already. It's a fucking season. You know, if, if that's going to be the, the mentality, then give these young guys a chance. You know, Pia Suter had some looks tonight where I was like, ah, I can see that potential coming. He's starting to put it together on the smaller ice and like, it's going to come. Maybe, you know, maybe not, you know, that 30 goal scorer first year. And, you know, he, I'm not saying God forbid he's like the next Panarin or something, but a guy that you could really see as a middle six player for this franchise for years to come. Um, and it's coming. It's it's getting there. Like I can see him starting to get there offensively. And then again, Brandon Hagel. Sometimes the guys that aren't going to be too fancy and overthink it are the ones that fucking score. Johnny Taves made a living in this shootout of just going five hole on everybody and just outlasting them until he knew he could pick his spot. Like it was not fancy, but it was effective as fuck, you know. But then you know, look at you look at a guy like Kane who you know, like you said, kind of gets a little too fancy sometimes, but still effective. So. Um, you know, those are the two guys that I would have put in that situation. I, again, I respect Jan Mark getting the chance. He was a great player tonight. 18 minutes and 35 seconds of ice time for him. Plenty of power play time, even some PK time. Like, again, the JC Trust Circle, I love that. It's going to crack me up all night. But, you know, he, he I, I respect him getting the chance there. But there's other guys on this roster that I think, A, were just as deserving in terms of effort. Uh, but, B, probably in terms of skill, even maybe more so should have been out there. So I think the breakaway goal on Tuesday night is what solidified Jan Mark as the shootout. Um, but again, you're going against a different goal here. You see Saros instead of Pecorine. So I do understand it if we're thinking thought process and the JC Trust Circle taking all that into account. Um, I do see why it was Jan Mark. I can see why you made that decision. But for me, I think I, if you put a gun to my head, I probably would have gone with P.S. Suter because I believe the hands are probably the slickest there uh, of any of those other names uh, that you had left after the Kubelik and Kane selections there. But hear me out, Ron. This is a off-the-wall Strom. For as much as the fuck-up happened in overtime, I would not have uh, been upset if he got a look at it uh, because you, you talk about the vision and sure it's ice vision and passing uh, I think his vision to read a goalie uh, can be that way too when it's slowed down in a shootout like that so um, I like I said gun to my head probably would have gone with Suter but uh, secondary option so you get to a fourth 
probably Dylan Strom for me, to be honest with you. But that's a conversation for yeah. another day. Hopefully we don't have to get there too often. But just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, my thoughts, uh, you guys can hit us on Twitter at Four Feathers Pod. If you have any other suggestions, uh, off-the-wall stuff, uh, reasoning, or if uh, you just want to rip on our picks there. Um, I know a lot of people will probably uh, hate on the Strom one, but hey, um, it's something when you're talking about guys that have uh, been there and had a little bit of established scoring. Uh, that's also a factor in it, too, when it's crunch time. Uh, that's, you know... Uh, a drawback of potentially sending these uh, younger guys out uh, that have never done it before in, in a real situation. So yeah. anyway, that was the game two to one shootout loss to the Nashville Predators here. Um, we'll be back in action on Friday, January 29th, 7 PM central time back at home. Boys will be back in town again, Ron, uh, NBC sports, Chicago broadcast uh, nice Friday night. I uh, can't wait to, uh, you know, sit and watch this one. It'll be the blue jackets. Uh, it's going to be a tough test, man. Yeah, well, this Blue Jackets team uh, ironically split games with uh, Detroit not too long ago. So one, I'm really curious to see how the Hawks compete against the Jackets team. I think they'll obviously put up more of a fight than the Red Wings did. But, um, you know, the Hawks hung with Nashville, who a lot of people see as a much better team. Um, you know, in that second game, they hung with Florida. They, you know, dominated Detroit. I think the Hawks are going to hang just fine with the Blue Jackets on Friday night. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just be happy as long as Kevin Lankin is in net. And a quick shout-out uh, at McBrooklyn48. Uh, he just goes by the name McBrooklyn on Twitter. Uh, he actually tweeted me tonight, and he goes, do you believe me now? And I was like, I was actually thinking about you tonight, and I had to give her credit where credit is due because he did say Lankin would be the number one voice. So as long as Lankin is in net on Friday night, I expect a very competitive game for this Hawks team and maybe a win, um, honestly, if they can – you know, maybe just get those top three lines going again like they were in that Detroit series because I feel like the fourth line continues to be good. Um, but as long as the other lines can even get somewhere close to that Detroit series in terms of production, I think the Hawks can, at bare minimum, you know, get through the Columbus Blue Jackets of all teams. So give me Lincoln and that. Give me a, a motivated Hawks team, and I feel pretty good about Friday night. All right. Yep. Yeah, uh, looking forward to it, Ron. Uh, this is a, like I said, 7 p.m. Central Time start at the UC Friday night. Columbus Blue Jackets, as things stand right now, we are recording on the evening of Wednesday, January 27th. So the Blue Jackets do have a game in between then. They will play tomorrow night, that being Thursday, January 28th, uh, against the Florida Panthers, who they had just lost to in a shootout on Tuesday night, 4-3 um, in that contest. So as of right now, uh, like I said, uh, as of Wednesday, January 27th, their record stands at 2 Two, two and three. Um, they've had some splits here uh, going on. Uh, played Tampa tough, lost to them in overtime, um, and they beat them one game. So you know, uh, Columbus tough team. Uh, they they're gritty, uh, led by their captain uh, Nick Foligno. Uh, he is one of the what if you ever watched Letter Kenny, the uh, you know NHL uh, players you would not fuck with. Uh, Wayne says Nick Foligno. Um, so another one says Chara, but yeah, that just tells you kind of mentality uh, that the Columbus Blue Jackets played with. They got rid of their pretty boy and Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, Patrick Line was the uh, receiving end for them in that trade. Uh, he is not healthy right now, um, dealing with some visa issues and a uh, minor ailment. So he will not be in the lineup. So thank God I've seen him score way too many goals at the United Center for my <laughs> liking, Ron, um, for too many Blackhawks Jets games I've been at in the past. So he won't be in the lineup. It'll be interesting to see um, Rizlikens or Corpusalo um, in that. Uh, you got any inkling? I do not know whether they're going to go with tomorrow. I think that kind of depends on uh, the whole situation here. 
Yeah, from at least what I've seen so far this season out of that goalie group, um, it seems like Corpusalo is currently playing the best of the two goalies. That being said, as you mentioned, they do play Florida tomorrow. So um, it really depends. I I would have to look. But really, I think whoever played last night for that Columbus team in net uh, is going to be the guy that we see because of that in-between game. Uh, and it was Corpusalo. So I actually, ironically, it aligns perfectly with my point. I think he's been a better goalie. He got the first game of that Florida series, so I would expect to see, as you mentioned, there's Lincoln's um, Thursday, which most of you will probably be listening to this episode on Thursday. Um, so he will be in that tonight for the Blue Jackets against Florida, and then I expect Corsalo returning to the net and taking over against the Hawks. So we will see the better goalie um, on Friday night, at least this season so far. Uh, and so I'm excited, like I said, you know, how this goalie duel is going to be between, uh, you know, kind of two unknown guys. Corpusalo still proved himself in Lincoln and uh, seemed like that up and coming butter of, you know, being in the conversation to be a number one goal center in the unit show. All right. So all um, subject to change, um, as the saying goes, to cover your legalities here, because like I mentioned, <laughs> we're recording Wednesday post game here after this Blackhawks loss to the Predators. So um, we'll get six in, cl- in a second. Uh, one last note, though, that I had was that uh, in addition to Boquist and to bring it on the COVID list, Lucas Walmark, who we wanted to see in the lineup tonight, Ron, was placed on that list as well. So uh, probably if it's anything like Boquist to bring it, probably looking at about two weeks here uh, at least until we see Lucas Walmark. So that's unfortunate. Um, my uh, prediction is going to have to wait, and he's going to have to really step it up when he gets back uh, to get on that value uh, best signing uh, in the NHL. Uh, yeah. streak again. So, all right. Uh, anyway, g- give me a stick to click, and let's close this thing down. Just quickly before the stick to click, uh, I wrote this down for you, Johnny, because I didn't want to forget this. So I'm happy you mentioned Walmark. Um, like you said, a guy that, we wanted to see in the lineup tonight. Honestly, I think him going on the COVID list is what prevented us seeing a normal 12, 12 forwards D lineup uh, because I think they really wanted him in there, but they knew they had to give high more a break. And that's why I think we saw the seven D tonight and a little bit of a tinfoil hat take for you. If Walmart isn't playing as much this season, they don't have to trade him and sign him for cheap. And he stays with the Hawks coming into next year, Johnny. So this is good. We get to keep our boy uh, Walmart. I like it. Uh, I like you uh, giving me some optimism there surrounding Mr. Lucas Walmart. Absolutely. I had to get that in there for you. Um, I want to keep it real simple. Give me Hagel. Give me Hagel, baby. He looked really good tonight. Uh, I expect him to come out and again, feel like he needs to prove himself. Maybe they go this same lineup again with the 11 forwards and give me Brandon Hagel playing almost 60 minutes of ice time. He's going to do some damage on Friday night. All right. Uh, I like going off the wall with my picks to run. Um, I, I think I took like Zadorov in like the second or third game of the year. I'm not going that route again, uh, but a guy who plays a lot, a veteran, um, one of the core four who has not been picked by anyone yet this year, Mr. Duncan Keith, uh, blast one home. Love gets, one, gets one through uh, on the power play. So he'll be playing there more often. So uh, Duncan Keith, uh, first goal of the year. Can't wait. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get it. All right, uh, listeners, thank you again for tuning in to the Four Feathers postgame show. Uh, hope you enjoyed it in spite of the outcome of tonight's game. We'll be back Friday night, like I would mentioned, after the Blackhawks take on the Columbus Blue Jackets back at home. 
Make sure you go and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at OnTap Sportsnet. You can go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. In addition to these podcasts, all of our Blackhawks articles can be found there. Go to ontapsportsnet.com, click the Blackhawks tab, and you'll be up to date on all your Hawks news. Um, other than that, you enjoy the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. That's a big help for us. So, tough one again tonight, but hey. Uh, some positives to build on here. Lankanen looked like a damn beast. Um, hope to see him back in the net again. And, uh, you know, it's a wounded team. Um, but let's play like a wounded dog on Friday night. What do you say? I love it. And uh, I'm just ready for you, Johnny, to, to get us out of here. All right. Let's get out of here, Ryan. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby.